Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Katrina. And I'm so excited to be speaking with you, hear about your business and your entrepreneurial journey. So thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So to start things off, do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Katrina. I run a soy candle company called The Copper Bell. Um, We are based in Guelph, Ontario. So Southern Ontario, small-ish city. (laughs) And I, I make funny candles, I guess is the shortest way that I could describe it. So if you like a bad pun or a little bit of sarcastic humor... Um, And I also really make a point to cater to the scent sensitive community because that's how I would describe myself. So somebody who maybe loves candles from like Bath and Body Works, for example, but finds that they get headaches or some weird kind of, you know, something when you light your candle, um, I make the solution to that. So if you still want to have a candle, but you don't want to have a headache, then I'm your girl. I love it. And so do you want to tell us a little bit how you first even got into this, you know, into the candle making process to begin with and sort of, you know, how you learned that? Absolutely. I think like a lot of people who end up doing something creative, I was looking for a creative outlet. I had come back from a mat leave from to like a, you know, my regular old office day job was sort of going like, oh, I I don't want to keep doing this. I really need something else in my life. I wanted to be in a more front facing role because I was really back end. And so just as a way of like getting myself out there and getting to talk to people and go to markets and artisan shows, I picked up just creating crafts and doing things like that, that I could then go and try and sell. And I definitely thought it was going to be a lot easier than it turned out to be. But I chose candles because like I said, I was that sun sensitive person. So I had Years before that, been like the avid candle burner, had them lit all the time. Um, then I got pregnant, I had my daughter, and all of a sudden I would get like instant headaches. I'd light a candle and be like, oh, this is, you know, I hate this and I have to put it out. Um, so I gave away all of my like giant three wick candles and just figured, like, I guess I can't burn candles anymore. But I started experimenting a few years after that, just trying to create something like unscented first. If I can handle this, maybe it's, you know, Maybe I can just explore a different kind of wax rather than those candles or things like that. So it slowly developed over the years. And then it was just kind of the perfect meeting point of needing something else to do with my hands and my time and, you know, finally stumbling upon a candle that worked for me and didn't give me a headache. Amazing. Well, I definitely think a lot of people can relate to that issue. So it's great that you have the solution for it now. And then, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about then taking that and really turning it into the business? I know you said you're working at a job that you weren't too sure about. Can you tell us a little bit about that process when taking it from that, you know, outlet, like you said, and then turning it into the Copper Bell? Yeah. I mean, the pandemic really threw like gasoline on the fire for me. So 
October 2019, I changed jobs. So very soon after going, you know, oh, I, I'm miserable at my job. And I had been trying for a year to change jobs internally. So started doing something creative to distract myself from hating that. I eventually left that organization and went to kind of a more front-facing role somewhere else. But that was like really just when the world started hearing about COVID, right? And so I did like markets that fall. It was kind of fun that went out on the back burner in January, 2020. And I just sort of focused on my new job that I also wasn't really loving. And like March rolled around and everybody all like we were working from home. And all of a sudden it was this, like the world has, you know, grinded to a halt. And two weeks in, uh, the company did like a massive layoff. They laid off about 25% of the company and I got like swept up in that. So I was like, what do I do with myself now? (laughs) Oh my God. Like, I I mean, I guess I have this six month old side hustle and I had a two-year-old at home at the time. So I figured, I guess I'm going to go all in on this. Like if I, if I can make it work, then great. If I can make some money doing this, fantastic. But if I can't, then like, at least I've put some focus in and I've tried and I've learned these other skills. So um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could go back and give you the step-by-step like, oh, I did this, this, and this. And that's why all of a sudden my business grew. But I think it was just, there's so many different factors and having been laid off then in the pandemic and getting that time to focus and, you know, the world really shifted to like e-commerce in 2020 and all of those kinds of little things have brought me now to, to where I am, which is exciting. Yeah, it is definitely exciting. And what was sort of that biggest shift you noticed when you took sort of it from that side hustle into a full-time business? Was there anything that, you know, you really put emphasis on or like just some of those big changes that you noticed and maybe didn't really expect in that transition? Um, I think one of the biggest things that really shifted things for me is when I started being the face of my business and I started showing up online more and showing my face more and talking to my customer and Instagram stories and things like that. And I know that it's like, things feel a little bit different now. I feel like we hear a lot of people struggling with Instagram specifically, but it was a great place for me to grow um, in 2020. And I still grow and I still nurture relationships there. Um, But that would probably be like the one thing that I could point to and say, yeah, just having people see a person behind a brand was huge for me because it is such a saturated market, right? Like there are a lot of candle makers. So finding a differentiator is, is pretty key. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I definitely agree. And I think that that's something a lot of business owners can struggle with too is showing up, but I think it's key in sort of having that successful business. And what sort of advice would you give to someone who maybe is at that stage where, you know, they want to be showing up online and stuff, but there is that sort of fear or hesitation for them? Um, it gets easier. Like it gets so much easier to just go on camera. I hated it at first. I had to like force myself to sit through it. And I I took the approach of like, if I mess up, if I say something, I'm not going to re-record it. I'm just going to put up like however it comes out the first time or maybe the second time of something like catastrophic happens. But I don't want to be that person who sits, who sits there and records for like an hour just to try to get out a one minute story. Um, so just showing up imperfectly is better than... <laughs> you know, trying to make it clean and polished um, and all that. And yeah, it gets so much easier. Like it's, I have absolutely no fears about like pulling out my phone and then talking to people now. 
Yeah, no. And I think that that's really great advice too, because that's sort of what makes it authentic and what people can really relate to versus, you know, that very curated story. I think that that realness of it definitely comes out and people appreciate that. And so when you were really building up the business, where, how did you learn that backend process of it? You know, figuring out inventory, suppliers, all of that sort of stuff that comes along with running a business that maybe people don't really get to see as often. How did you sort of go about learning all of that? I, I mean, I'm still continuing to learn that. I think it's just a gradual work in progress. Like finding new suppliers is, I, <laughs> I understand why people can be so protective of their suppliers because it can take you months to like, you know, for me to find the person that I now buy my glass from took me so much Google searching and trying different like terms and keywords. Cause I don't know, they're not always the easiest to find <laughs> their SEO is not great. So yeah, it was just, I started with like, you know, for candle making a basic candle supplier. So if you search like, you know, candle supplies and wherever you are, you'll get a bunch of results from like people who are either in your area or will ship to your area And I started with those as like a really great foundation where you can buy smaller quantities and try things out. And then as you get to the point where you're like, well, crap, I need like a ton more jars than what you can supply me. Then you have to start kind of getting a little good at the Googling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Um, And with that too, is there any sort of resources or tools that you really use in your business that, you know, you, you definitely would recommend whether it's, you know, an email, email marketing or, you know, website tool or scheduling tools, any of those sort of, you know, things that you have in your business toolbox that you use daily that you think sort of help with that process? Yeah. So email for sure, like is one of the things that comes to mind. I love email marketing. It's been huge for me. Um, and I use Clavio or Clavio. I don't know how you say it, but I moved from MailChimp to Clavio um, about a year ago. And it's huge. I find it such a powerhouse. I do usually about 40% of my monthly revenue comes from email marketing. So the like $60 I spend a month, I can very clearly see the return on investment there. Like it drives a lot for me. Um, and I just, I really like the ability to segment different customers. So you're not just sending everybody on your list, everything. Um, and then of course, like automations and things like that are super helpful. I feel like I could talk to you for ever about email marketing because I'm such a big fan and I think it's very underutilized, but yeah. And then, I mean, like, you know, my website's Shopify and that kind of thing. I feel like I use very basic tools outside of that, but I'll sing Clavio's praises all day long. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, and I I definitely agree. I think it's underutilized and that a lot of people don't really realize the power that it can have. So it's great to sort of hear that side of it from business owners like yourself. And now let's switch a little bit to the creation of the the products. I know you said you Mm -hmm. sort of were testing around with some of the things, but can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the creation of the candles, but then also the names that you put with it. Cause I think that I love the names you, like you said, it's sort of, you have those puns, you have sort of that humor aspect to it. So how do you sort of come up with that aspect of it? The usual process is to like muck around with different fragrances and blend things up and, and sort of see what smells good together. Um, And then, you know, I'll test it as an oil, see if I like how it smells and make it into a candle, burn it, see if I like how it smells, um, share it with a few friends, that kind of thing. It can be a pretty long process. And then uh, one of my closest friends who I used to work with is, I I like to call us the naming committee. It's literally just me and one of my good friends who we like sit down on a 
Facebook messenger thing. And I go, okay, it's got, you know, lime and coconut and this kind of thing in it. Like, let's just make jokes about these things or puns or whatever we can come up with that will like turn into a name of us going back and forth saying ridiculous things. Um, But I have one that I picked a name first because I really just loved the idea of a candle named Apple Blossom Jeans. Um, And then, so I was like, I need to make something that fits this. I have to find an Apple Blossom scent and then create something else. So I added like, I can't even remember what's in it. It's a spring scent, like cotton, you know, like a clean cotton kind of smell. And then like something really earthy. I think there's like a moss or a um, something like that. You know, it's, it's a nice, really well-rounded blend. It's become one of my favorite scents, but that's the only one that I named it first and then made something to fit it. I love that. I, yeah, I think that definitely is a great sort of creative approach to come at with it and sort of a fun way to do it as well. Um, and then, you know, with owning a business, there's a lot of sort of emotions and mindset shifts that come with that. And I think especially as an entrepreneur, that can be some of the biggest hurdles people overcome. Um, Was this something that, you know, you really had to deal with when you were making that transition to make it a full-time business? I feel like I'm dealing with it more now. Like now that we're kind of getting into a recession and I, I like the business is so much bigger. So it feels like if you fail or if something goes wrong at this point or you're sales go down or whatever, it feels like higher stakes. When I first started, it was like, well, I have no money. and <laughs> This business isn't anything. It was just like a little hobby. So I'm going to put everything into it. I'm going to try and grow it. And if it, if I don't succeed, then I can put like, you know, I grew a social media account on my resume and try and find a marketing job or something. Um, and now it's like, well, shit, I pay people salaries and I have like rent on a commercial space and all of that kind of stuff. So it's just like, I don't know. Any entrepreneur probably knows that roller coaster of like, I'm amazing and this is trash. And like, no, everything is fine. And oh God, no one's ever gonna buy anything again. So like, <laughs> yeah, I still go on that that journey pretty regularly. Um I don't know. You just gotta I write it out and I I try to get crafty about how I'm gonna deal with, you know, the looming fears that I think we all have of like oh my God, everything is so expensive. Is anybody going to buy anything again? Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that. And you touched on a point there too, about really the growth of the business. And can you tell us a little bit about this, you know, about hiring a team and, you know, buying a commercial space and sort of that aspect that, you know, has really propelled the business over the past few years. Are you a business owner looking to establish yourself as an expert in your industry, reach new audiences and build brand awareness, and form more personal connections with your current customers? It seems like a no-brainer, right? But how do you do this? Enter podcasting. The podcast industry has been growing rapidly over the past few years and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. After starting Made It Happen, I saw the power podcasting can have, and I want to help other entrepreneurs and businesses do the same. Enter Elevate Podcast Co., a podcast agency helping entrepreneurs and businesses have their voices heard and elevate their brand. We support launching and growing podcasts to connect with your audience, build authority, and amplify your business. Through podcast coaching management and our portable podcast studio, we will help you reach your podcast goals. You can visit us at elevatepodcastco.com as well as in the show notes and book your free discovery call to learn more.
Sure. Yeah. So I, I rent, I didn't buy it, which would probably be even more terrifying. Um, but I, I got to the point that I took over my whole house. So I knew I needed to find a space to move it into. And that was like really intimidating. So now I've got, you know, if I, I have a bare minimum I can make every month. So it's my like just scraping by about where everything's at least going to get paid. I might not be able to pay myself, but the business will still stay alive. But it's, I don't know, being on the other side and like making your first hire is weird. It's a very bizarre kind of thing. Um, and I'm very happy with the person that I, I chose. The first person I hired who wasn't just like my friends to come in and work with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I didn't really answer much for you there. <laughs> no, that's okay. Do you have any advice on sort of the hiring process for that first hire? You know, something that you really learned throughout the process or, you know, maybe how you knew once you got to that point that it was time to hire? Um, well, so I got a summer grant from the government to hire like a, a student. So that was really the thing that like pushed me into like, okay, I'm going to do this now. Um, I don't know if I'll do it again next year because summer is also a slow season and it's like chaotic. It's worked out really well. I'm now finally set up for my busy season. But in terms of like tips, I asked, like I messaged my favorite, you know, managers that I've ever had. And I asked them for their tips on like hiring what they look for. Um, the one thing that's like stuck with me the most is my favorite boss I've ever had, who's actually the one that fired me <laughs> back in March, 2020. But she said, if it's not, if it's a, maybe it's a no. So like the only person that you want to hire is someone who it's like, this is a yes. Like she said, every time I hired someone, I think, ah, you know, maybe it'll work out. It hasn't been the best fit. So yeah, if it's not a yes, it's a no, like there's no maybes when you're hiring. So yeah, I definitely think that's great advice. I, I can definitely see how that would, you know, play into it. And so it's great that you, when you are to find that, yes, you definitely know it's the right fit. And do you want to talk a little bit about, I know you said like there's, there is busy seasons coming up and, you know, it, it's a roller coaster of emotions. And can you tell us a little bit about how you find that work-life balance when running a business and especially during those busy times and sort of what you do to find that? <laughs> Um, every time I'm going into it, I'm going, no, I'm going to be better prepared this time. And I think that I am, but I don't is the short answer. Like I haven't found that balance yet of like, you know, the busy hectic season. I'm just, I work more than I want to work and, you know, but I think most people who are in any kind of retail or sell a product know that there are like busy times and slow times. So leading up to Christmas, when you sell something, especially something that's giftable is like, it's your boom. It's when you're going to make all your money in the year. Um, people don't buy a lot of candles in the summer. They buy, they certainly still buy candles and I try and do other things to like drive revenue in the summer. So I really focus on like wholesale or doing, I do a big summer sale, but I know that like fall and Christmas are going to be bonkers for me. So this year, at least all of the product or like most of the product to get me started is done. So that's like, I don't have to do production at least leading into the busiest time of the year, which is huge because obviously production takes up a huge amount of time. So I can really just focus on like not letting things slip. I'm really bad for like letting my social media posting slip or all that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to get stuff done ahead of time this year. Things made, I'll get some email campaigns already written before things get hectic. So they're just saved and I can just hit send, you know, do a little review and hit send when it's time or try to like really bulk things up, you know, in like August before, <laughs> before October rolls around and everyone remembers they want to buy a Christmas present. 
Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a great strategy and just having what you can prepared beforehand is definitely great. And so it sounds like you've already, you know, got all of that prepared before. And, you know, I think that that's a challenge a lot of entrepreneurs definitely face is that balance. Has there been any other sort of big obstacles that you've really had to overcome with growing the business? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it just growing a business is an obstacle, right? I think cash flow comes to mind right now. And you don't feel it until you really feel it. So like managing your cash flow is probably the best advice I can give to anybody. If you don't have money coming in, then you can't get money out to be buying new things to grow your business. And so I never understood why people would need to take um, like business loans when I first started out. I was like, well, you just, you sell product and then you have more money and you can buy more things. But if, when you get to the point that you're scaling, you need to buy stuff so much faster and so much sooner that like if you don't have the cash flow there or the capital or the way to get funds, it really like creates a bottleneck for you. So if you're, if you have a ton of overhead tied up in, you know, renting a space and paying people to do work and, you know, like thousands of dollars of, of raw materials sitting in a shop, then it's super, super difficult to, um, to do the kinds of things you need to like drive that scalability or that growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, manage the cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do you have any advice on that for someone who's maybe in that situation right now and sort of not too sure what what route to go or sort of how to manage that? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, I would say keep things like as skeleton crew as you can for as long as you can. Like if you can, and I think that's the opposite of advice that we often hear. Like people say hire before you're ready, and I don't regret any of the hiring decisions that I've made or anything like that. But if you can manage and still kind of keep yourself sane without help that you pay for fantastic if you can rope your friends in or your mom in which I also did for free to help you do stuff do that like it's you know if you can last in your house before you rent a space do that like the longer you can push things before adding more overhead is going to be the better I feel like especially right now as we're entering this like weird uncertain period Um, you know, a year ago when it was like kind of a boom market, I probably wouldn't have had that same advice, but I think we really need to shift the way that we're thinking about like our businesses and what we're spending and all of that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know, I'm, I'm cutting like the littlest things, my Canva subscription, like stuff like that, where I'm like, eh, I'm being really, really careful. I'm like, do I actually need it? Do I actually use it? And if not, then it's can, we're going to cut it for now because you want to get your overhead down or keep it down. Absolutely. No, I think that is definitely really great advice. And especially, you know, whether it's a growing business or a new business, like just finding those sort of strategies in place, I think is so important. And on the other side of that, has there been sort of any really big moments for you that was almost like a pinch me moment that, you know, just really, it was a big success moment for you and your business that you're really proud of? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's so, I, I have such a bad mindset when I celebrate, like I look at celebrating my own wins because I will so quickly, like something just becomes normal to me. And then I move on. I'm like, well, what's the next thing to achieve? But if I try and like make myself pause and look back, it's like, well, you know, you cracked a hundred thousand dollars in revenue in your first full time, your full year, right? Like you got over six figures in sales. That was a pretty great, like exciting thing. And even that at the time I was like, oh, well, I didn't go, I didn't sell as much as I wanted to sell what I had planned this year. But like, me now looking back is like, no, but you did a really big thing and that was great. Um, yeah. Things like that. 
Yeah, no, I think that I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that is sort of, you know, you get to that moment, and then you just, okay, what's next and keep going. So I think it is sort of important to look back on those and celebrate those big moments. Um, And is there if there is one thing that you would say to someone who is looking to start a business or just sort of in that beginning stages, what sort of advice would you give to them? Mm, I would say before you start doing anything, you need to know your customer. And I know a lot of people say that, but I think you really, really need to know your customer, especially right now. Like people aren't making as many impulse purchases. Um, So know them as much as you might know your best friend, like the way that you could describe your mom and like the things that she likes and what she cares about, what makes her angry and happy what's the reason she might buy something that's how well you should know your customer because that's gonna like do everything for you that's gonna show you where you need to show up online that's gonna show you how you're gonna talk um how your product's gonna look all of that kind of thing so figure out who you're talking to at a very specific level i think that's what's gonna get us through the weird time because people are still buying but you got to make sure that you're really talking to the right person Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think even creating those user personas can be so helpful and really just having that distinct image of who your customer is. So I think that's definitely really great advice. And I always like to do just at the end, a quick rapid fire segment. If you just want to say the first thing that comes okay. to your mind. Sure. <laughs> so one word to describe your business. Scrappy. If you only had two hours a day to focus on your business, what would you do? like on top of everything that I'm doing now, (laughs) social, social, like connecting with customers is the first thing that came to mind, but yeah. Someone you look up to. Mm, There's another candle maker that I know who lives sort of close ish to me and her name is Shabby and she runs a company called market candle company. A female owned business. Also shabby. I can pick someone <laughs> I work with so many female-owned businesses. Um, the Eco Den in Mount Forest. She was my very first store who carried my candles and is one of my most successful stores. <laughs> Amazing. A book you'd recommend? I'm not a big reader. Mm, can I pick a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, that's not this one. <laughs> I uh, maybe CEO School by Sanir Madani. A lifesaver for your business. So this could be a specific platform. This could be a planner, just something that you couldn't live without. Email marketing, Clavio. A non-negotiable you have is? Mm, I, I need time away from my business before my kid goes to bed. That after school, after work, you know, chunk of time before she goes to sleep. And the best advice you've ever received? Fail fast, don't get tied up in things. And if something isn't going right, be okay with letting it go and trying to pivot. Absolutely. I think that's definitely yeah. great advice. So thank you so much, Katrina, for joining me here. And do you want to just share any plans you have upcoming for your business and where people can find you? Um, I mean, yeah, you can find me. My website is thecopperbell.ca. I'm on all social media as the Copper Bell. Um and then as for things coming up, I mean, I don't know when this is going to come out. So <laughs> there's probably always something. A couple, it'll be a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So probably a new season of Sense will be coming out then. I'll be getting into, we'll be getting into fall probably by the time we, everyone gets a chance to hear our conversation. So fall candles are coming out <laughs> and they're ready for once. 
Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Katrina, for joining me here today and sharing your story. And yes, just thank you so much. I can't wait to see everything that's to come. Thank you, Sarah. It was great chatting with you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.